Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to season two of Performance People with me, Georgie. And me, Ben. Our guests this time round have 38 Olympic or Paralympic medals between them, 22 of them gold. There are countless world records, 16 Everest summits, and the man responsible for some of the greatest inventions of our time. And alongside them are their closest confidence. They will share what drives these exceptional individuals to their highest heights. Performance People is free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can also follow us on our Performance People social channels. Now enjoy this week's episode. Joining us on today's performance people are a husband and wife team who understand exactly what it's like to operate and perform under the greatest of pressure. Kenton Call is a British mountaineer and adventurer who risks it all for the day job. Has climbed Mount Everest and nosebleed inducing 16 times. We're joining Kenton is his wife Jazz Cool, who's a mindset and performance coach. These two high-performance people have life-affirming stories to tell and elite performance lessons to share. Success is, in my mind, coming back alive as friends with 10 fingers and 10 toes. There have been not just hours, but days when I haven't heard from him. And uh, in my mind, he's gone. Got the wrong crampons. <laughs> just no. The wrong ones. What have you just realised? What's wrong with them? I've got the wrong crampons. <laughs> well, hang on. This sounds like <laughs> you've got the wrong crampons. Congratulations. So I've got all you my may kit. need those Weetabix after all. <laughs> yeah, I've got all my kit laid out literally just behind the camera and just where people are talking, oh, I just check my crampons in my crampon bag. And they are my ice plumbing crampons, not my mountaineering crampons. Ah. The little nuanced thing. Congratulations. So, so how, how, I mean, is that how big an issue yeah. is that? Yeah. How personalised are they? Uh, I'll go and get some in town tomorrow. Oh, okay. it's, not, it's not really an issue. Yeah. Another. Okay, it's not like you're superstitious <laughs> about using various different types of crampons for, for the no. job. Okay. No, no, no. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If he turns up in one piece with a wallet and a passport, everybody's happy. <laughs> That's all that they can hope for, is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Yeah. Can... Where's all you need? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us from Kenton from Kathmandu and Jazz from the Cotswolds, which is where your family home is. Um, my worst fear over the course of the next hour is that at the end of it, Ben's going to say he wants to climb Everest with Kenton. So um, I'm just... No, no, he doesn't. Uh, well, let's wait and see. I'm just going to put that out there. Let's see how much we can put him off Kenton in the, in the course of the next hour. <laughs> Um, tell me what Kathmandu's like, because it's the source of the place from where people start this adventure and also the place where they end this adventure. So there must be this big melting pot of emotions in Kathmandu, people celebrating, people elated, having finished the climb and then others really nervous and full of anticipation for what they're about to do. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> What Kathmandu is like as, as a city, I think perhaps Jazz should answer that. But in terms of, because 
I've been here so often. I've seen such a developmental change. Uh, whereas Jazz and the family came back in 21 and got a snapshot of what it is like now. Um, but in terms of, and it, it's really interesting question that you ask, and we were discussing something very similar, my, my client for Everest and myself or, or me this morning, that there's quite a lot of, or can be quite a lot of peacock strutting around. Most of the expedition teams would stay in a handful of hotels here. And there's almost a mental game. It's not a competition, but there's almost a mental game going on, uh, almost trying to de-psych other people. I don't, think, I don't think anybody sets out to do that, but you could be at breakfast and you know, a, a, a big Chinese team might come in and they've got all the labels on and they've got all the matching kit and people are saying, oh, I climbed this or I, I run my 10K time in this or I can smash an ergo 2,000 meters in this and... It can be a little bit overwhelming to many people. And I, I, as I, said, I don't think it's meant to be like that. I just think it's a, way, a, a strategy that some people have to cope with what lays ahead of them. Because obviously they've got a bigger venture, whatever that may be, a trek to base camp, a climb of Everest, a climb of other 8,000 meter peaks. And there is a certain amount of mental confusion um a certain amount of trepidation um there's pride on the line and all these things and and that can manifest itself in slightly less than beautiful ways and i think one of the ways it comes out is this i think quite ugly trait of strutting around trying to be better than the person next to you um that, that's in terms of like the expeditions here but in terms of what Kathmandu is like i mean jazz you know you came here a couple of years ago but what was your overwhelming sensation oh it's very very rare particularly with the family young family to go to a developing country and uh Kathmandu is very vibrant it's very loud uh hugely hugely busy um and they have this wonderful area where you can go shopping for pretty much everything called the tourist area and by the very fact that it's called the tourist area i felt utterly ashamed <laughs> to be there and i really wanted to see the the real sense and the real smells of the city and in doing so you then realize why there's a tourist area because there is just zero infrastructure for the individuals that live in Kathmandu uh, they really are breadlining it just struggling to stay alive and then that's when you realize that a tourist area is giving them some financial security and that actually spending our rupees there is helping it, it it's a real confusing dichotomy uh, it's it's wonderful but it, it's an eye-opener and a leveler for sure yeah so you feel like you're in, on one hand you're invading their environment but you're helping to sustain it financially so if Ben did decide to come. Hang on, why, on a why, trip. why are you pushing him? No, if he did decide that this is what he wanted to do, what is that process like? How do you vet people that go with you and climb with you? And how do you make sure that they're safe, you're safe, you know that they're up to the challenge? I mean, how can you ever be certain of that until you find yourself in those circumstances which tests a person's character and skill? Well, I mean, first and foremost, no, I mean, nothing is certain, nothing is guaranteed, no matter how hard we try. Yet at the same time, uh, in exactly the same way that you know, whatever team you're trying to put together, you go through a process of pressure testing you know, the individual or the individuals. Uh, I spent a long time building a, a meaningful relationship, a trusting relationship uh, between myself uh, and, and whoever the client maybe uh and also the team that we have on the ground here uh i, I work with a, an amazing sherpa team which that everything i do out here i couldn't do without them and it's a it's generally a two to three year program uh, program from when i first engaged with a client to to come in here to Kathmandu, well certainly for everest and along that journey along that pathway we are constantly just stepping up a gear each time. We're looking to have um, experiences which you know, push the individual out of their comfort zone. You know, I use the term quite loosely. You know, we're looking for failures uh, in terms of if, if everything went smoothly in the in the build up to an Everest trip, then 
we haven't really tested ourselves. We're, we're, we're looking for experiences that we can reflect on. We're looking for experiences that we can learn from uh, so that we can either avoid them when we get to Everest, or if they happen again or something similar happens again, the individual, a team or me can that, oh, we've been here before. Okay, we've seen something like this. Uh, how did we cope last time? What did we do last time? What do we need to do now? So the process is, is certainly little stepping stones. If somebody's got no climbing experience, then we start to build up that resume. We build up the skill set required. We build up the mental resilience that's required. Uh, how do you, how do you actually nutrition. do that, though, Kenton? How do, you, how do you do that? What does that actually look like? And Jazz, do you get involved in this process as well? Uh, well, C Casey can answer the bit about what it actually looks like. But I, I think to, to add to your question, a lot of that screening process is not about the technicalities of climbing a mountain or how well they go at altitude. It is so much down to character, personality and attitude. And uh, one of the first questions that Casey will always ask a potential new client is why Everest? And you can pretty much screen out 80 to 90 percent of individuals just by asking that very question, um, because the, the, the reason behind why they want to do it will describe the character, the attitude and the personality. And then I'll, I'll allow Casey to add to your bit about how you stress test the, uh, the other bits. Well, stress testing is essentially taking someone out of the comfort zone. Um, and I say it's baby steps because what you don't want to do, you don't want to blow the envelope whereby the individual has a terrible time because that could put them off climbing for life or adventure or whatever it is. It may be. It's finding that sweet spot of, of stretch, stretching the boundaries and it could be baby steps. You know, we could be climbing in North Wales to start with. It could be as simple as an ascent of Snowdon. And then we build up over time. It could be the European Alps. I often go down to Bolivia. It could be Aconcagua, highest peak in South America. You know, things that I think will mirror to a certain extent the experiences which that individual is likely to go through on Everest. Um, and, and it's different for everybody. Uh, some people come to me with huge amounts of experience in terms of climbing. Uh, some come, come to me with no experience. And it's tailoring what is required for the individual uh, and then putting the program together. It's unfair, I think, to expect an individual to conform to a pre-existing structure that's in place because everybody's different. Everybody is an individual. Uh, and it's the same with putting teams together. When you bring a team together, one of the most important things I believe in terms of leadership for that team is, and it's a really simple concept, everybody is an individual. We may have a common goal, a commonality right there, but, but, but we are different and that needs to be understood and communicated. And once you have that understanding, then you're in a far better situation to, to come together with any form of uniformity, is that a word? Um, to, to then forge forwards towards a common goal. Uh, and it, for me, it's, it's a fascinating journey, taking the individual on that, that pathway. Uh, and ultimately, if we're successful in, in getting somebody up and down Everest, and let's be very honest, success is, in my mind, coming back alive as friends with 10 fingers and 10 toes. It doesn't necessarily mean a summit. If we are successful on that pathway, then selfishly is incredibly empowering and satisfying for myself uh and it's something i'm very passionate about and i love it and my, my the, the only one of the biggest difficulties is leaving the family and and leaving jazz to not only look after the family but look after the business in cool company and try to juggle as you guys know try to juggle family and business and you know your own sort of social calendar and everything else and jazz probably laugh because i don't have a social calendar when you go to everest but you know try, trying to find that balance in the environment so that we remain wholesome and healthy and uh and um and good people 
I've just referred back to my humble career as a sports broadcaster, but you were never you were never paid to do the job of reading the autocue. You were paid to do the job of when the autocue was spinning backwards and sideways and no one was telling you what was going on. And that was that was when it mattered most. So I guess it's in those moments, isn't it? Mm. When that when the, everything hits the fan that you need to be able to know that you're around people that aren't going to put themselves or anybody else in jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, the interesting thing is that, that they are scenarios that I certainly don't shy away from. They, they are scenarios that I actively try to seek mm. out during that training uh, schedule uh, program. Um, because that, that they are, it's a cliche, but they are the rich learning experiences. Uh, and the other thing is, they are the moments, often retrospectively, where I look back and go, I actually really enjoyed that. Um, and you know, perhaps it's a little bit different to having an auto cue go sideways or backwards or upside down or just cut out. Yeah, you know, I'm in these environments whereby the ultimate consequence is, is death. Um, yeah, at the same time, I find that those moments are arguably one of most feel alive, and it's also those moments that I look back on maybe arrogantly or egotistically i look back on them and think it's validated all the things that i've done over the last 25 years of my career now, everything which i've done up to this point has been leading to 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 that crisis and we handled that crisis as a team and we moved forward uh, we didn't lose anybody. We still summited or whatever it may be. We got out of the storm. We got back alive, you know, whatever that situation is. And you look back on those moments and you realize that that happened because of experience. You know, there are, we, we live in a culture today where everybody's looking for hacks and shortcuts and, and actually in-depth experience is so precious. And it doesn't matter what sphere that is in you know, it could be in some financial services it could be sailing you know, boats in the olympics it could be sailing around the world like jazz or whatever it may be that deep rooted experience is something which it can't be hacked and it's so valuable when it comes to time critical decision making when it really matters um and i think Maybe, you know, the generation coming through, they, they perhaps don't fully understand or realize that perhaps. Well, perhaps I'm being a bit unfair there. Uh, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what Jazz thinks. Mm. I don't know. I, 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 you talk about this so much that uh, it's, we, we could be here for hours talking about being on that edge and taking it to that place. Um, to know that it's that experience that you can draw upon later. It's just that every time we go to that place, at the time, it's it's very unsettling and very uncomfortable, um, but it has to be done. You know that is stress testing at its very limit, isn't it? But Jazz, you're having to deal with. I always think that it's so much worse for the person who isn't in the moment. You know, you're having to deal with the knowledge yeah. and the understanding of, and a little bit of knowledge is always a bit frightening because you you know enough to know when a situation mm. is is really perilous or not. And then, and you're at home and like mm. Kenton's saying, you're juggling everything else, but all the while, do you ever, because I find this with Ben when he's, um, when he's, I say road testing, it's not road testing, sailing. <laughs> when, when, he's, when he's sailing the first prototypes of the next cup Tide boat. Tide testing. Yeah, when it's the next cup boat. So it's not when he's done loads of different sailing on the same boat and he knows what the, what the pressures are and what the stress tests are and, and how it's going to play out. It's when they're testing it for the first time. The stuff where they don't know everything, they don't know all the variables, they don't know the eventualities of this, that or the other decision or whatever that might be. And I wonder for you, um, obviously Everest is a, you know, the mountain is ever changing, I suspect, Kenton. So every climb is different to the last, regardless of how well you know it. So Jazz, for you, you know, it, is there forever this sick feeling in your stomach until he comes home? I mean, how, how do you feel from the start to the finish of, a, of an expedition? Mm. Yeah, it's a fine question. We, we have protocols in place uh, for that very reason. Uh, it's all I, I we have ever known. So uh, since we've been together, how many years that is, I should probably know. Um, Everest has been a thing. Um, 
but it's not just Everest, it's it's other climbs as well. And I have to say, I'm probably, actually, I'm not going to say that because that is superstition. Uh, Everest is a very different mountain from, from other solo climbs that KC might do. Uh, but we do have some protocols in place. I'm very much of the opinion, personally, that uh, nothing ever good comes from worrying and worrying only makes things worse not better so what's the point uh, and I, I genuinely do stick by and believe in that uh, we also uh, go on the protocol that this experience means that there are so many risks that can be taken out of the equation so control the controllables and then just focus all the time and attention on the things that we can't control and mitigate that risk as much as possible uh, and that's where I defer to, to Casey's experience in that he will always be taking risks for sure, but they are calculated risks. And there's too much at stake for that calculation to not be there. And there are many protocols that he and I will use to calculate the risk that he's in at that moment to make decisions. Those decisions are very clear uh, and we stick by that. And the final thing that we do is go on the principle that no news is very much good news. And that if I hear from him, brilliant. If I don't hear from him, that's okay too. And I'm only ever going to get a phone call from Casey saying I'm fine or from somebody else. And it's that somebody else that I am not going to want to speak to. So either I hear his voice or I don't. And that's absolutely fine. And there have been periods of time where I haven't heard from him forever. And I, it's assumed death because the theatre of the mind is going to take you to that place. There's no road to getting there. Well, maybe he's kind of a bit of all right. Maybe he's a little bit hurt. No, it's extreme death immediately. Um, and, you know, there have been not just hours, but days when I haven't heard from him. And uh, in, in my mind, he's gone. And there was an occasion where I did get a phone call from somebody that wasn't him. And as far as I was concerned, that was confirming that he wasn't coming home. But this person was very, very experienced and they knew exactly what to do straight away. And the first thing they said was, hi, Jazz, he's OK. And we just live by the policy that no news is good news, that the risks that are being taken are calculated, but they do exist and that there's absolutely no value in worrying. Kenton, from your perspective. That's an interesting question. You, you, said, you, you said extremely dead. Is that worse than that? <laughs> Totally, yeah. <laughs> she stepped it up a notch, if that's possible. It's like, it's like dead on steroids. It's like dead, <laughs> yeah. and then you get sampled. It's, it's, it's dead turned up to 11. <laughs> what is summit day like for you? Can you just take us through what happens on a summit day and and in the processes you go through, um, but also then the actual feeling of, of that itself? Uh, <sighs> I was doing a, a keynote, I don't know, 18 months ago, two years ago, I forget who it was for, UBS or something like that, big financial institute. And I was talking through Summit Day. And then all of a sudden it hit me. For me, Summit Day is pretty much stress piled upon stress, piled on, upon a little bit of anxiety, piled upon a big heap of more stress uh it's incredibly worrying and the really interesting thing is that it never really hit me until i was up on stage suited and booted giving this presentation and it, it hit me like a steam train uh, and it's like oh my god because at eight thousand meters there is no facilitation of rescue uh, you very much are out on a limb and I know we have fixed lines and we've got oxygen and we've got Sherpa support and you know, we bring it down and down and down and then we try to make it as um, safe as possible. But as soon as you step out of your tent and start moving in an upward direction, every footstep is taking you away from safety. So I'm asking a client to do something which their whole very being is screaming to not do climb higher up into the death zone or and, and the what what ifs are constantly running through my mind which is why i've got to run this binary thinking philosophy to just focus on those key aspects which actually have an impact on the day you know, what the weather is doing the underfoot conditions the amount of oxygen physical mental well-being of the team you know, all these things you know, i'm running these through all the time however Let's flip it around the other side 
if you cut summit day of Everest off and plonked it in a European Alps, it will be quite a sought after climb. Uh, it's beautiful. It's invigorating. It's not technically overly challenging, but it's challenging enough. And then when the sun breaks the horizon you know, over your right shoulder in Tibet about 4.15 in the morning and the world comes alive, oh, oh, God. I mean, it's a, for those brief moments of nature doing what nature does at her very best, all the stress that's piled upon stress just evaporates. And you, you well, I am lost in this moment of euphoria. Uh, the sun breaks the horizon, you know you're going to start to warm up. You've been watching the stars throughout the night because we climb through the night. You might be, you might have an electrical storm hundreds of miles away across in Sikkim, and you're watching this light up the the cumulus clouds over there. Uh, you know, and then and then you sort of breach the the south summit, and that's when you first get the view of the summit, and you can see everything which lies between you and the summit. It's a bit stressful actually because when you know that's a bottleneck, that's a choke point on the mountain, so that's a little bit more stress. Just if you don't have enough stress, um, yeah. At the same time, you're in this this majestic environment, which only very few people, although Jazz does like to point out, more people have summited Everest and have circumnavigated the world by sail, uh, but very few people have ever seen this, and. It's very special. And that moment is not lost on me. Uh, I, we get to the summit and it's like, hey, you know, high fives, chest bumps, whatever it may be. And Jazz sometimes say, well, actually, that's the moment that I start earning the money because most of the accidents occur on the way down. And I got to keep the client, the team, mentally and physically focused for the way down. Uh, so we got to be on it like constantly. And then we get back down to the to the top camp, the South Cold Camp, and we're still not out of danger. We're still in the death zone. We're still breathing supplementary oxygen. We're hungry. We're tired. You know, we're, we're mentally exhausted. You've got really dry throat from breathing this dry oxygen that's in bottled tanks. It, it's, and then you've got to try to reinvigorate to get down to camp two. By the time you get down to camp two, you're out of the death zone. You're comparatively safe. But that, that re focus to leave that top camp when all you want to do is put your head on the pillow and trying to get a few hours sleep is like right let's keep moving let's keep moving and all the time the linchpin what's keeping this all together is the sherpa team and, and and me and ultimately the responsibility is with me i'm the go no go decision maker and so many people talk and pontificate and make a fortune out of corporate speaking about climbing Everest. How many Everest leaders do you hear out there? Because that go, no go decision has people's lives attached to it. And that responsibility, we have a fantastic Sherpa team who have such depth of experience, but ultimately the buck's got to stop somewhere. And ultimately, it's, it stops with me. So the decision making in the lead up to that go, no go for summit day, I mean, that's super stressful in, in its own right. And, but then almost every footstep, you're constantly asking yourself the questions, you know, the conditions, the, the, the oxygen, the, the things I mentioned before. And you're, you're, you're running these calculations the whole time. Was that go, no go decision the right thing to do? But once you execute, you're committed. So there's that running as well. And it's just, and then you get back down to camp two. And it's like, oh, thank the Lord. And it's like. Have you, ever, have you ever thought that you got the go, don't go decision wrong? Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. 2006. Uh, I think 2006 was a late summit. The Jazz and I had only just met then. Uh, I was at the time I was gunning for the summit late in the day. So we, we were fixing, yeah, it was 2006. We were fixing the rope. Uh, we had deep snow to contend with. Time was ticking. You, know, you, you pass the turnaround time. You're still heading towards the summit. 
you know, the, the turnaround time is one o'clock. We submitted, I forget now, quarter past three in the afternoon. So you're constantly thinking, you know, I'm breaking the rules. You know, perhaps we shouldn't be here. If we turn around now, physically, mentally, logistically, we're screwed. You know, we're not going to turn around and, and reinvigorate to go back up. So this is it. You know, we, we've got to make this happen, but it's got to be safe. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I turned the team around last year. Uh, we left the top camp. We went for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. I'm like, this isn't right. The, the, the weather's not playing ball. Let's turn around. Um, so you can imagine the thought process and the decision-making process battling away on that for that hour and 15 minutes. The wind was up. It's battering. It's tugging at your, your down suit. And I'm just thinking, this is not good. Other teams are going. And... Other teams should never influence your own decision-making, but they're battling forward. The Sherpas are saying, no, we've got this. We can do this. And I'm like, no. They must no, be we're the toughest. The we're going to go back down. Must be the toughest decision to make that. The bravest as well, I would have thought. Um, oddly... Yeah, it's a tough one to make because you're you're constantly thinking uh, everybody else is going on, but but that that's where you just got to believe in yourself and that experience we were talking about. And I am making the decisions for my team, my client, or our clients based upon their ability. And ultimately, I need to keep them safe. I want them to have a bloody good time, and I want them to get a summit in that order. And we probably could have summited that day. It would have been a bit edgy in terms of safety, but they would have had a terrible time. Uh, but it's having that confidence to make the decision without external influence. And that is hard then. Uh, and then, of course, the next morning, everybody's coming down from the summit and the client's looking at it going, well, they summited. How can we turn around? And then you've got all day at the South Coal, and then you've got to go again. And, and that's constantly, oh, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> all that stress and anxiety, and I love it. You know, that, that is my sphere of operation. And God, you know, I, 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 that's where I feel alive. You know, it's like you, you know, forgive me, helming, uh, a bloody boat and doing it really, really well. You know, that's it's where everything comes together. Everything you do comes down to these moments is when Jazz stands on stage and, and you know, delivers you know, something out of the ballpark and it's amazing or, you know, whatever. You know, every now and then these things come together and you have that perfect moment. And for me, that's every summit day or summit day on any big mountain or, you know, it's... It's that opportunity to do something really bloody well. Jazz, what's summit day like and, for you? Uh, you've got to work <laughs> at it. <laughs> what's summit day like for me? Uh, it is um, it, quite uniform. So I know all the timing. Uh, I know exactly where you should be at what moment. And I just don't sleep. So I just, it, it's 24 hours. It's easy for me compared to him. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, and, and I'm just all the time knowing what's happening, knowing what's happening. And no news is good news. And I know exactly within sort of a two hour parameter of when I'm going to get a call from the summit. And if it doesn't come, then I start to panic um, until I get a call saying we've turned around or and, and, and. And that's Everest. 
Ben and I have similar conversations about stuff, although I think where you put yourself is is possibly more yeah, perilous slightly, a scenario slightly, than where yeah, Ben puts more himself. Dangerous, I think. Yeah. But but we have a lot of conversations around this sort of thing, which you know, it, it's one thing when it's just you or it's just you and the other half, and you know, it, it's a whole other ball game. I think when when you've got children. The children thing just amps it up, doesn't it? Uh, an unbelievable amount. So do you feel that on your side? I mean, how much harder has it become to, you know, say goodbye to Jazz, but also the kiddos and and sort of say, well, I'll be back whenever. And and how hard is that pull now? Is it is it more and more difficult with each expedition? Because with each expedition, it's just more and more experience, as we've said, is, is a very important thing. But does it become harder and harder? Yeah, I, th I think it does. And as the children have uh, grown and developed, they have a better understanding about what the mountains entail and you know, avalanches or Sirac fall or high altitude. Uh, I mean, Willoughby was interviewed, this was back in the Apple House, so it's what, five years ago? I remember when Ollie came around and interviewed him and his little yeah, legs, he would, have been about, he would have been about five, four or five maybe. And his little legs are swinging on a sofa and these sort of cameras there. And the, this guy, Ollie, asked him a question. Now, what, what do you think about Daddy going to Everest? He goes, oh, you know, I don't think it's a good thing uh, because there's, there's this area called the death zone and it doesn't sound very good to me uh, and Daddy might die. And you know, he was four or five uh, saying that. It's actually a terribly sweet uh, little interview thing. Uh, and then as they got older, they, they have a better understanding about what happens. I, I seem to have a coping mechanism. I don't know if it's the, the right one. And Jazz would say, well, undoubtedly not. That I, I'm quite good at being able to turn on and turn off emotion a little bit. I have a big closet where I just sort of sweep all the catastrophic emotion, which has I've been in contact with into the closet and jazz always says, well, one day the closet is going to burst open and you're going to get a tsunami and you're going to be in therapy for the rest of your life. <laughs> and, you know, and she's got a point there, but I do seem to have this switch whereby I can activate it and, and get on and focus on what I'm doing. And I don't want to say forget about everything at home, but certainly put it to one side a little bit, certainly on summit push on Everest, which is incredibly stressful as a, as a guide, as a leader, uh, you know, we term or we sort of uh, grab this term binary thinking where I'm only concerned about five or six things and everything else I, I've got to try to push out of my mind. I've, I've got to just think logically, not emotionally. As soon as emotion comes into decision making, and I know there's the whole gut feel thing, but they put it out to one side for now. It's got to be logical. And if you're using up valuable um in, you know cognitive thought about you know, what's the family doing uh, you know i hope they're not worrying about me too much or that's emotion and that starts to infiltrate your mindset it it david goggins would say it weakens your mind i want to say it weakens your mind but it's going to interrupt the your ability to Think in the moment about what it is you are doing. And, and that's, that's really important. And I seem to have developed this over, over the years. And interestingly enough, with modern technology and being able to WhatsApp the children and film them from base, you know, and, and you know, look at them on base camp, I don't know if that helps or it doesn't help. Of course, I miss a family, but I, I've got a job to do. And that job needs to be executed really, really well. Um, in order for me to get back home as quickly as I possibly can in one piece with a very happy client and, and da, 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 da. So am I being selfish and mean by switching the family off in my mind? Maybe. Or am I actually being uh, diligent and by doing so gets me back sooner and in one piece um, to be with the family? I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but having that ability to switch off when you need to, I think is a very powerful tool to have. Jazz, had you or would you ever ask Kenton to stop? Is there any circumstance where you'd say enough is enough? No. No. Uh, we, we had a conversation about another mountain, K2, 
Was that last year? Was it the year uh, before? No, 21 I went. Okay. Um, the, the conversation had gone many years ago, I'll never climb K2. And then he climbed K2. <laughs> and I think the conversation he, was, I would never guide K2. I didn't say okay. I oh, and then you guided K2, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. A little bit of semantics. Either, either way around, it was So it um, it's a very dangerous... Yeah, it's a very dangerous mountain, and yeah, I, that's a whole other conversation. But the point is, is that none of us should be shackled from doing what we feel we want to do. Uh, we just need to put the protocols in place to make sure that it's done um, with as much conscientious thought as possible. And if I were to say, I don't want you to do that, of course, I don't want him to do it. But if I were to prevent him from doing it, then I'm preventing him from being who he is and knowing who he is that would be a very unsavory move on my part <laughs> and I, I don't really feel that it's my place to do that so i support him just so long as i know that the due diligence has done you're so much you're so much better a wife than i am i'm constantly saying do we have to do another america's cup campaign <laughs> have you i didn't notice i just keep the earplugs in. <laughs> but there's a, there's a really great there's a really great interview uh, with um, it was Kelly Slater's wife, the uh, the big wave surfer or the like amazing surfer that's been around for forever, and she was being interviewed. And one of the questions was, uh, "What's Kelly like to be when he can't surf?" Mm. And she thought about it and she used this beautiful analogy and said, "Oh, imagine that you've grown up and." all your life from childhood you've been training to be a dragon slayer and that's that you know, that's what you're going to be it's not simply your job that's your very being you are going to be a dragon slayer and you train and you do all this uh, right throughout your life and then one day somebody says to you oh by the way there are no dragons anymore how would that make you feel and she said that's like kelly when he can't surf he's like a dragon slayer that's just found out there's no dragons left to slay mm. and i think i'd be the same and and i'm guessing mm. you know hey ben no i don't really know you but i'm, I'm guessing that there's if there's no ocean left to sail on oh you probably don't. be like a dragon slayer who's just found out there's no dragons left to slay yeah i'd, I'd probably be quite painful yeah. You'd be awful. You'd be absolutely horrendous company. I mean, your happy place. I think I suppose, Kenton, for you, your happy place is on a mountain. It's the same with Ben, his happy place is on the ocean. You know, and actually whenever we take a family holiday, yeah. I resist it as much as I humanly possibly can because I don't want our whole lives to be about boats. But actually, if he is on a boat, he is in a much better place and you are less connected with the office world or anything else that's going on in your life because you're in a happy spot and you're not constantly checking your phone or, you know, answering an email or a phone call or whatever else, because I think you, you know, you yeah. feel, you feel comfortable, don't you? It's yeah. where you feel comfortable. But I, I, you know, I think with mountaineering, exploring is, Kenton, you've got this, this endless, the, the challenges out there. Right. And, you know, I'm fortunate in what I do with being out on the sailing, being out in the oceans is, Always another challenge, another oh, record. <laughs> Just keep going. There's no no, no reason to stop. Mm. Yeah, uh, and, but, we but, have but, we have a phrase as well. We talk about um, feeding the rat. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that um, he has a little rat inside him <laughs> uh, that needs to be fed through whatever discipline that is in the mountains. So it could be mountaineering, it could be ice climbing, it could be rock climbing. It's just doing it and it needs to keep being fed. And if it's not fed, it will start to eat him from the inside. I hate that rat. You must have such a big impact on, on how he approaches each and every one of, of these expeditions. Yeah, I, I do ponder that quite a lot about how the sort of the clunk click has allowed this experience that we're both having to work so well. Um, and I do ponder that a lot. And there, there is so much about who I am as an individual that helps both of us create a platform to allow it to work. Um, I'm very 
other person centered you know, as as an individual commercially i am in the service of others and so all the time i'm if i'm not doing it professionally i'm doing it personally at home with the kids or with kc i'm in that coach mode and having the empathy to be able to put my feet in someone else's shoes and sit in their chair and see things from their perspective i think has really helped us as a couple to to navigate the the nuances of our life because we're very very aware and i know we're in good company that that we are quite unique that we are quite different that we don't fit into any sort of pre preordained mold so to speak both as a couple and as a family um and i do ponder that a lot i think that there's a reason that i do what i do and that we are together because of that and kenton i mean from your side i mean could you be doing what you're doing repeatedly without jazz being there in her in you know her role as your partner but also you know in that professional capacity because she has so much insight and so much understanding of of where you need to be and who you need to be i i think i could do what i do um without jazz i don't think it would be done to the same standard but i think the bigger question is i would struggle to see how i could have any family unit without somebody with a level of empathy and understanding uh, and also tolerance uh that is jazz also i suppose juggling all of this and i i i have some experience of the juggle as well when you're juggling do you ever just lose it do you ever just completely lose the plot? Because Ken, you know, everything Kenton's going off to do is brilliant and exciting and fantastic and you know, sometimes headline making. Um, but do you ever just go, oh God, there's so much on my plate? I, um, an annoying answer is no. <laughs> Uh, because I think if I got to that stage, it would then just literally be it. It would be done. The wheels would come off, never to be returned. I, I just don't think I fit in enough time for that notion to surface. I, I, I fully sign up to the fact that it's probably there somewhere. Just don't don't give it the time. Well, isn't of day. that interesting? Because you say to I mean, that's really a, an that's really answer. interesting. Because you say to Kenton about <laughs> compartmentalizing the 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 you know that some of the awful things that he will have yeah. seen on the mountain, and at some point you are going to have to take those out of the wardrobe, and you're going to have to deal with them and face them, and then you may end up you know having to really face them. And and yet and yet this is the same thing that we're talking about here, where where you're concerned. Yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I go on that worry factor. You know, it's just just get rid of it. There's no point. It's put, it's wasted energy. And I, I, I just I'm a real planner. I'm quite binary. I'm either absolutely planned to the nth degree or I'm seat of my ask. And, yeah. and, and there's, there's nothing in between. Um, and most things are, are quite well planned to the point where it won't allow me to lose it. I just can't. I just can't. So what does that... I think the really interesting thing is, I mean, if you think about crisis management, and I, I don't want to say our, our life is a constant crisis, but it, it, it feels like that sometimes. It is a bit seat of our pants. You know, we hand over the baton that, you know, some stupid o'clock in the morning, you know, I come in from a climbing trip, high five to jazz at five in the morning, and she's off to meet clients in London, and... You know, we'd be trying to look after the children. We don't. We don't have help with the client care, uh, um, uh, child care. It is like being in constant crisis. And the one thing that you can never have in crisis is you know, if you lose it, as Jazz says, if you lose it in a time of crisis, you're never going to get it back. And you and you see that time and time again. Uh, it, and it doesn't matter what field that is in. A time of crisis, you need to be as cool, calm, and a collective as you possibly can be. And it does feel like sometimes our lives are constant. It's a constant crisis. It's like, oh my God, I can't, I can't let it go now. And as Jazz said, it's kind of fun though. (laughs) But yeah, this is what we were saying earlier. I mean, I, I I like it when it's on the edge. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) How do you, I've seen you talk numerous times about this incident with Mr. Lee in 2013 and how you and, 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 you know, what that sort of t- period of time was like for you and, um, and, you know, how you've managed or not managed to deal with it subsequently. It's, 
Is that still a thing? That um, is there, are there some things that you just you can't you can't fundamentally deal with that you just have to push to one side? Yeah, I mean, I think Jazz would say there's pretty much everything that comes with emotional emotional. Um, I'm trying to think of a term that Jazz would use. Um, I can't think of one. Uh, emotional emotional adulthood. Uh, I, I'm. I mean, I am emotionally challenged in many ways. And I, as I said earlier, I have this terrible uh, trait of shoveling things into the corner and hope that they never reappear. Mr. Lee, uh, for the listeners or viewers, uh, a, a Taiwanese man that died in my arms back in 2013. I, I haven't processed that. Uh, Jazz and I met up once in uh, was it Dubai. It was Dubai, wasn't it? I was... Uh, we we're buying engagement rings in Dubai, of all places. I was coming back from Everest. Just you know, the one. <laughs> where, 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 you got, no, no, where, where did you get my one? Did you not get my one there? You don't, don't get know. an engagement <laughs> ring there. No, a wedding ring. What am I talking about? Well, in this modern age, maybe I can have an engagement ring. Yeah, why ring. not? You, go anyway. you do you, sweetheart. We're all, we're all for equality on this show. <laughs> no, where, where's, my, where's my engagement ring, Jazz? Um Anyway, we met up in Dubai, and a friend of mine in Yaki had died on Annapurna. And um, I spent, essentially spent the first three or four hours. We went to the bar. we just arrived in Dubai. Uh, I'd flown in straight from, from Everest. And you know, I just dissolved at the bar. I was pretty much in tears for the next three days. Um, that's not emotionally dealing with it. I, I just sweep it away, and I hope it never reappears which and i and jazz with her background in coaching and and you know i, I know that's about the worst thing i can possibly do i'm 50 this year and to a certain extent up to that point or up to this point it's kind of worked and it's a dangerous thing to say in front of jazz she, you know she, she's like mm. um but yeah i mean i have seen a lot of things that i yeah you know, perhaps don't really want to have seen, but it's happened and I've been involved with it and be it death or trauma. And, um, and yeah, it's just it's something you've got to bundle up and try to deal with in whatever way that is for you as the individual and move on because the world keeps turning and tomorrow's another day. To a certain extent, you've got to accept that's going to happen, right? Doing what you do, it's... It's high, it's, it is dangerous. There are going to be, you're going to get yourself into situations and have experiences. Yeah, and that does it's, not, not to, it's not to normalize it at all. I mean, three, uh, three Sherpas lost their life on Everest uh, earlier this week or late last week in an icefall collapse. Uh, there was a tragedy on Annapurna two days ago. Um, I didn't know you knew about that. Yeah, well, I, I knew no. And it happens. Uh, and that's not to not be sad about it. The most important thing I think that we can, I mean, is, is the mountains, the high mountains. There's always a degree of danger. You know, Jazz said earlier, we're, we're very good at risk mitigation, but we can't eradicate risk, certainly in, in the big mountains. There's too many variables that we have zero control on. I've lost numerous friends in the mountains. Um, even more acquaintances and people that I haven't known. And it's, it's always going to happen. It, 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 it really is. And, you know, I, I know the same happens in you know, big boat sailing. Uh, it happens in, in anything that's got an adventurous uh, theme to it. There is going to be an element of danger. And that's one of the things which is so addictive and so attractive and so alluring of it. It's the thrill that we get. Uh, and if we didn't want to partake in these things, well, you know, nobody's making us do these things. Um, we do it partly of our own free will. And I often say, if you're not willing to accept the consequence of the risk, whatever that risk is, then you shouldn't be debating about whether it's for you or not. You talk, Jazz, you talk a lot, about, a lot about protocols. I mean, this is a really hard question to ask. Have you two got a protocol for if anything did go wrong? Have you, have you, you must have discussed that. Mm. Have you, have you got, have you got any sort of, 
thought process as to how you would deal with that? It's a, a very interesting question. And beyond life insurance, which is so hard to get for somebody that does what he does, you shuffle up above five and a half thousand metres. No one's looking at you. Underwriters think you're a lunatic, which is probably a fair call. Um, so uh, beyond life insurance, the the answer to that question is no. We don't have any protocols for that. And, and more than anything, simply because I feel it's courting it. And... We, we have, I, I'm a huge optimist and I, I go with optimism and everything else gets dealt with as a logistical or a pragmatic issue afterwards. And my first worry, if that were to happen, and it's, it's an uneasy subject to talk about, my first worry, of course, would be, would be the kids. And we have, when Kenton goes away, we become the three amigos. That's just what we term ourselves. And it feels very safe in that space. And even just saying it feels safe. And, and we've created such a, a very, very strong bond as a three of us that should anything happen, I know that that would secure us and sustain. Wow, that's a very powerful answer. It's the other mountains that are, that are trickier. We had a, a nasty K2 moment where the Garmin inReach had a little bit of a blip and it looked like he was going downhill rather than up. And so, of obviously, my brain goes, oh, well, that's him just diving off the edge then. So, it, you know, there are some summit days where there's less comms, where it can be a little bit more challenging. But it's just have faith. That's when you're better off leaving the tracker at home, right? Yeah, 100%. Totally. I, totally. I hate it. I mean, we started writing, you know, having a little bit of knowledge, having all the technology that we have today, you know, the whole no news is good news. We're constantly connected, sat phones, iPhones, and it's really hard to instill with people. This might run out of battery. The, the Garmin could be dropped. The sat phone might not connect. You know, China puts a block on the sat, or whatever it is. There's so many reasons why you can't be in communication, but we just expect it in this day and age in the society that we live in and it just generates that level of anxiety and worry if somebody does not call. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, it's, it. I mean, my first ever expedition to Pakistan, I had, apart from one double page piece of paper, which I faxed back to my dad's office, no communication with home for seven weeks. <laughs> no communication. Nobody thought I died. Everybody just thought I was having a bloody good time in Pakistan, which I was. <laughs> um, that was that yeah, was in our, that was in our previous life pre pre collectivity yeah the good old days we can remember those but, but our children never will the thing i need to, yeah, yeah so true. but the thing i need to keep remembering and jazz is very good you know we had a little chat about this on sunday is you know, i need to remember that these expeditions it's not simply me being here in Kathmandu on everest it's is an expedition for jazz at home yeah uh, and in the same way that jazz is phenomenal uh, position herself in in the shoes of the others her clients you know the people she coaches me the children i need to do the same and i need to have an understanding about what it is like at home uh you know quite early in our relationship because i was always the one going away i think jazz went to the bvi racing or something like that i'm like jesus she, she, she's gone away somewhere <laughs> oh, that um, sounds familiar what, what do i do <laughs> um, how dare you yeah oh she's not in contact uh, 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 what's going on? Is she okay? What's happening over there? It is, yeah. yeah. So I got a little glimpse, just a little glimpse of, of what it's like. And cliche, I know, but at least as stressful for jazz, if not more so than me being there in the moment for real. So as we draw it all to a close, I want a jazz tip, a performance tip for how you can be better. Oh, that's what you're going to ask for makeup. No, I'll ask you afterwards, Kenton. I'm all about jazz. Jazz, give me a tip for how I can be better, how we can perform better every day. Bearing in mind, this is a performance podcast. It is all about people that want to know exactly Indeed. that. Okay. Yeah. So performance is an interesting word and it can be interpreted in so many different ways. So I make it a little bit more understandable for me. Performance translates to progress. And 
oftentimes we can set ourselves quite lofty ambitions and they're so far away from where we are right now that they become intimidating and ultimately unfulfillable. And progress can be a small step because a small step is still a step forward. And every day, the best performance tip is what does progress look like today? That's a very good one. Yeah, very Kenton, good. you're going to have to up the ante here. A performance tip from yourself. <laughs> don't forget the... Don't, How do I follow that? <laughs> don't forget the crampons. <laughs> don't forget your crampons. <laughs> yeah, don't forget don't the crampons. Don't forget your goddamn crampons. Or I, your croutons, as I refer to them. The croutons. I've got the crampons. They just happen to be the wrong crampons. Um, I, I think a lot of it is belief. Um, I mean, for me, when I'm climbing at my best, it's confidence and belief in myself. The, the main reason why people don't summit Everest on their first attempt would be because their mindset isn't quite yeah. aligned with what they're doing. And, and that often comes down to self-belief and confidence. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if you can get that, Right. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you need to come in with arrogance. Uh, I mean, some people confuse confidence with arrogance. You go to Everest with arrogance, it's going to come back and bite you in the backside. Uh, you need to go there with a certain degree of reverence. Mm. Um, I believe you need to be humble. Uh, but at the same time, you need to go there with a confidence and understanding about what it is that you are attempting to do. And you know, perhaps a little bit like Jazz was saying, no, incremental progress. No, don't let perfection get in the way of of better because you know, we're always looking. I think a lot of people look for per- perfection, but actually better. Uh, how can I be better than perhaps I was yesterday? Or how can we be better than we were last week? We're never going to be perfect. As Jazz said, you know, it's unattainable and it can be intimidating. So, you know, how can we be better? Um, so that's a bit like jazz, but yeah, I, I feel like I've, 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 I've underwhelmed that answer because, uh, yeah, yeah jazz, jazz, jazz took, took the, took the middle stump out with that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yes. brilliant. Thank you so much. Well done jazz. Brilliant. Nailed it. Definitely. Um, good luck on your expedition. Yeah. Who are you taking up the mountain this time? It's Richard Walker, isn't it? Richard Walker, uh, yeah, chairman of the uh, Iceland Group of, yeah. of supermarkets, uh, yeah, food warehouse. Uh, if <laughs> anyone's right listening to this, he is. Yeah, well, yeah, he, yeah, loves the cold. Uh, uh, there's cool to, and there's Iceman. Yeah, <laughs> God, of course. Um, but he is, he is trying to raise. He's trying to raise a million pounds to build a specialist Alzheimer's unit in London. Uh, so if anybody is listening and they have the inclination, you know, just check him out. Um, you know, Richard Walker, you can find him on social media. And if you have 5p, 5 pounds, 10 pounds, please do click through on that. That's a, that's a shameless plug, uh, but I think it is a very Absolutely. great course, Alzheimer's, that he's trying to support. So, um, so, but yeah, Richard Walker, he's a great individual. Uh, Jazz knows him. I know him. Known him for a long time. Um, really excited to be here with him and i think we're going to have a great fun time and really hope that in three or four weeks time we're coming back with um certainly as friends having had a really good time and fingers crossed with the summit and the right crampons don't 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 keep bringing that up (laughs) (laughs) guys thank you so much (laughs) thank you so much the thing is you can always make things work those crampons will that be up to the That is not what Jazz wants They're to hear. Not... She does not want to hear that. She wants you to go out and buy the best performing <laughs> crampons ever. Really. I've, I've probably got some in my kit store in Pangboche. So I'll contact, as soon as we finish this, I'll contact Dorji and say, hey, Dorji, have we got any crampons in, <laughs> in, uh, in, in Pangboche? Um, yeah, I, yeah, thank you, yeah, yeah, yeah thank, thanks thank so much you for your so, time. Thank I really you so appreciate much. it. Okay, so great chat from a couple that are really living life at the extreme end of things. <laughs> you could say that, yeah. Yeah, pushing it hard. Fancy climbing Everest after that conversation? Yeah, I think more I knew so after you'd that. Say that. More I knew so you'd after say that. that. And because the one thing I really like. Only about if you that could go from, with Kenton. Well, yeah, only. But 
that moment which is not it doesn't matter whether you're climbing Everest or you're you know trying to win an Olympic gold medal or whatever you're doing in life it's your thing you've worked towards your you train for your you practice for and when it all comes together like it does for Kenton on summit day that's when he most feels alive mm. and he's that that's actually a magical moment and I I think trying to get across to people that okay there's a lot of pressure there's a lot at stake huge amount of us at stake for Kenton and his team at that moment but yeah, to enjoy that and not be scared not be intimidated by the pressure uh, that was a great example of it how about feeding the rat can you relate to that no <laughs> I think you can <laughs> <laughs> no but it's true isn't it like that I think people who have this burning ambition or this absolute passion for a thing whether it be the oceans or the mountains or whatever it might be in your life you know if you don't feed it then something else falls off the wagon, right? Because you're just, you just absolutely need it, don't you, in your life. So if you stop someone from doing something that they ultimately oh. adore, it could be more problematic than you could know. This is, a, this, is like a, <laughs> this is like me lecturing myself. It is. Well, I think you've got, I think you've got the balance just about right. <laughs> Um, thank you for watching and or listening. This has been Performance People. We are Ben and George Yangzi. And remember, from what we've learned today, strive for progress, not necessarily perfection. Wonderful. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.